can be in two places at once, but not three. I stopped running 20 feet ago. Once upon a time, there was a college professor who was foolish enough to set the following examination question to his students in an undergraduate European history course. Write all you know about the Albigensian heresy, the exam question asked. One of the professor's students was quite innocent of any knowledge whatsoever of the Albigensian heresy, and quite understandably so, since he had done none of the assigned readings for the course. The student was not without resource, however, and he answered the question as follows. The Albigensian heresy was a heresy committed by the Albigensians. I know nothing more whatsoever about the Albigensian heresy. He then went on to write that this answer deserved full credit. The question asked him to write all he knew about the Albigensian heresy. <laughs> and he had indeed written absolutely all he knew on the subject. The question hadn't asked him to write correctly or intelligently or even coherently about the Albigensian heresy, but only to write all he knew about it, which in fact he had done. The advertised title of this lecture is the 1995 Bibliographical State of the Nation Address. But what follows needs to be interpreted in the same way that the resourceful student wanted his professor to interpret that answer about the Albigensian heresy. At least at the moment, all I know about any part of any nation is rare book school. And this lecture is therefore going to be about you and us and me and not much else. Those of you who are in class this week may be sharing some of my own feelings at the moment. The intensity of rare book school is difficult to describe to anyone who is not actually experiencing it, an intensity somewhat similar to that of the man who attended his first performance of Richard Wagner's Tristan und Isolde a couple of months ago, which he rather enjoyed, he said, though it was very, very long <laughs> and, and very intense. So much so, he said, that when Act Three finally ended and he came out of the Opera House, he wondered if Bill Clinton was still president. <laughs> so, to the bibliographical state of our nation. I want to begin, as usual, with some miscellaneous facts and figures. There are, or will be, 380 students, faculty, and evening lecturers in residence at Rare Book School this year. I think that the final totals will be just a hair larger than last year, which was itself the largest rare book school ever. By the end of this year's rare book school, week five in mid-August, some years from now, about 320 different students will have completed one or more of 30 courses taught by 29 different faculty members. The number of instructors teaching doesn't quite match the number of courses being taught because for among other reasons, three instructors, Martin Antonetti, Nicholas Pickwode and Daniel Traster are teaching their courses twice, and because five courses are being co-taught with two instructors each for these courses. This week, the Rare Book School staff includes Catherine Boyd in her third year at RBS, the Rokarts Press Administrative Assistant, summer, fall, winter, and spring, if you can imagine such a fate, Peter John Burns, Activities Director, third year at Rare Book School, in real life, the manager of the online scholarship initiative, 
uh, an ARL-funded project based in the Alderman Library. Brett Charbonneau, printing demonstrator, third year at Rare Book School, usually a journeyman printer at Colonial Williamsburg. James Davis, evaluations and photography, is 10th year at Rare Book School, paid for by being Rare Books Librarian, University Research Library, UCLA. David Ferris, associate director of Rare Book School, his seventh year here, curator of Rare Books at the Harvard Law School Library. Brian Geiger, housing, his first year at Rare Book School, a master's student at the University of North Carolina. Margaret Myers, our commissar, her first year at Rare Book School, just about to take her brand new University of Virginia MFA degree in creative writing off to Washington, D.C. to take up a position as writer-in-residence at the St. Albans School. Philip Pond, assistant commissar, second year at Rare Book School, fourth-year student at UVA. Kenneth Schwartz, housing, third year at Rare Book School, fourth-year student at UVA. And Kelly Tetterton, activities director, third year at Rare Book School, a PhD candidate in the UVA English department. In all, the Rare Book School 1995 staff this year consists of nine full-time persons, including myself, plus a number of part-timers for a full-time equivalent of just over 12 persons, though somewhat more than 12 persons when you remember the number of hours that a typical Rare Book School staff member works. No one is more grateful to them than I am, but I hope you'll agree that they deserve your thanks, too, for their hard work for you and me especially, and especially this week. There are 69 students and residents at Rare Book School this week, two more than last week, four fewer than next week. Of this week's participants, 43 persons elected to use Rare Book School dormitory housing. 23 persons, 53%, chose Brown College, and 20, 47%, chose to live in warm, scenic splendor on the lawn. The percentage of lawnies rises and falls from week to week in Rare Book School this year, but overall, the percentage of lawn dwellers versus Brown College dwellers for all five weeks of Rare Book School 1995 will be almost exactly the same as it was last year in Rare Book School 1994, 40 to 60, or 2 to 3, lawn to Brown College. This week, nearly half of our residents are on the lawn, probably the highest percentage of any of the five weeks of Rare Book School this year. You're an intrepid bunch. Of the approximately 340 different students and faculty members expected to be in residence this year, 106, or 31%, came to Rare Book School last year as well. This is by far the highest one year to the next year return rate we've ever had. Between last year and the year before, it was about 25%. An additional 55 or so Rare Book School 95 participants are returnees, not from last year, but from one or another of the Rare Book Schools held before 1994 for an overall return rate for the whole school of 48%, up four percentage points from last year's 44%. Put in a different way, Nearly half of this year's Rare Book School students have come to Rare Book School before, either in Charlottesville or New York City. I believe that this is the highest recidivism rate that we've ever had. It's good to see so many of you back, although it's not difficult to tell why you came, which brings me to the subject of the Rare Book School faculty. There is a full-time equivalent total of 39 faculty members teaching in Rare Book School this year 
and by the end of week five, they will have had nearly 340 students in their courses for a faculty-student ratio of one to nine. This year, we reduced the size of a number of rare book school classes from a maximum of 16 to a maximum generally of 12 or 13. Let us know on Friday in your course evaluations if you think this made a difference in your class this year. Week by week, the staff-student ratio in rare book school is about one staff member per six students. There, as usual, goes our budget. Faculty and staff honoraria, travel, and related expenses will account for nearly 60% of the 1995 Rare Book School budget, and that percentage excludes both Catherine Boyd's and my very considerable salary, a significant exception when you consider that more than 15% of the Rare Book School student body is in one or another of my classes. I've pointed out before that the planning manuals for summer institutes and other occasional workshops sternly advise you that when developing a budget, your salary and related expenses should not exceed about a third of the total budget. In this respect, RBS, which spends nearly two-thirds of its budget on salaries and related expenses, diverges considerably from the norm. This fact helps why Rare Book School diverges from most other summer institutes in the quality of what it offers as well. This was the 12th Rare Book School. RBS has met annually since, eight, since 1983, with the exception of 1992, a year of transition during which the Book Arts Press moved from Columbia University in New York City, its former home, to the University of Virginia, its present, and I am convinced, future one. The fortunes of the Book Arts Press and of Rare Book School are closely intertwined. The Book Arts Press is the umbrella group. It is a not-for-profit corporation chartered in the Commonwealth of Virginia and it owns most of the equipment, books, and other teaching materials Rare Book School students will see this year in their classrooms in the Newcomb Hall Museum and in the press room suite in Alderman Library. The Book Arts Press is resident at the University of Virginia, and it feels very much at home here. But the press is not an administrative division of the university. It is an independent entity with its own board of trustees, and I am happy to report its own rapidly growing endowment. The present trustees of the Book Arts Press are Martin Antonetti, librarian of the Grolier Club, associate director of Rare Book School himself between 1984 and 1990, RBS evening lecturer in 1990 and 93, and in residence this week, as you know, as an RBS faculty member. James Davis, Rare Books librarian at UCLA, member of the Rare Book School staff since 1986, and in residence on the Rare Book School staff this week. Ellen Dunlap, president of the American Antiquarian Society, Rare Book School evening lecturer in 1986, Rare Book School faculty member in 1987. Catherine Morgan, curator of rare books at UVA, Rare Book School participant in 1985, 87, 88, 89, 90, 91, and 93. And Nicholas Pickwode, until just now chief conservator at the Harvard University Library, and soon to resume his career as a consultant in book conservation in both the United States and the United Kingdom. He, was a rare books, he has been a Rare Book School faculty member since 1987. He'll be in residence this year, beginning next week. Thanks to a totally unexpected but very welcome gift of $20,000 last August from Robert O. Dugan, retired librarian of the Huntington Library, the Book Arts Press was able to establish a permanent endowment last year. 
years ahead of the schedule that I had planned for this event. And thanks to gifts from Marianne Malkin and from many other friends, close friends, and best friends of the Book Arts Press, as of the beginning of this week, our endowment currently stands at rather over $25,000 and growing. Perhaps the greatest friend of the Book Arts Press and of our book school, however, is the University of Virginia. UVA currently makes a very substantial contribution indeed toward the well-being of these operations, in the first instance as regards my own salary and that of my assistant. Considerable as this financial contribution to Rare Book School is, UVA makes an even more substantial contribution by providing the Book Arts Press with ample quarters in wonderful buildings at the center of the central grounds of the university. The fact that the Book Arts Press's Lucille exhibition in the Dome Room of the Rotunda provides an eloquent example of the extent of the support that the university gives us. To the locals, at least, the Dome Room is the most important single interior space in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Another of the great joys of Rare Book School at the University of Virginia is the tireless and enthusiastic support of the University of Virginia Library, its librarian, Karen Wittenborg, and her staff. We are particularly grateful to Michael Plunkett, Director for Special Collections and Teaching this year in Week 5, Catherine Morgan, Curator of Printed Books, and the Special Collections staff, uh, including George Reiser in residence this week in the History of the Book class, to Linda Lester, Director of Reference Services, and her staff with special thanks for allowing a large wooden printing press to emerge in the middle of their workspace in Memorial Hall, to James Self, the director of the Clements Library and his staff, and the Art, Music, and Medical Libraries, in particular Jack Robertson in the Art Library, Diane Walker in Music, and Joan Ectenkamp-Klein in the Medical Library, herself in class last week taking the illustration course. University-wide support for Rare Book School is equally enthusiastic, and we are grateful to Caroline, to, to, uh, Caroline Bettner of Conference Housing and her staff, to Carolyn Lequatra, administrator of the Rotunda and her staff, and to Lazarus Powell and his Newcomb Hall staff. The current Rotunda exhibition, Lucille's Adventures in America, 1860-1910, is the second Book Arts Press exhibition in the Dome Room. The first, Charlottesville, a book town, came down at the end of June to make way for Lucille. In September and early October, there will be an exhibition in the Dome Room featuring the woodcuts of J.J. Lankes and curated by Peter Agilasto, proprietor of the Elk Hill Winery in, in Elko, Virginia, and in residence at Rare Book School last week as a student in the illustration class. This fact, by the way, may help to explain why one student in the illustration class last Friday wrote on her evaluation that it was hard to concentrate on the final questions because she was on her third glass of Chardonnay while she was writing. The next Rotunda show after the Lankes exhibition will open in mid-October in time for the 1995 annual conference of the American Printing History Association, uh, which will be held at the University of Virginia on the 20th and 21st of October. The title of the exhibition is Waste Paper Basket Archaeology, printed ephemera from the collections of Calvin Piatto. Calvin Otto is the president of the Associates of the University of Virginia Library. He was in residence at Rare Book School last week taking the papermaking course. More about him shortly. Next summer, the Book Arts Press Rotunda exhibition is tentatively entitled Bad Ideas. 
drawn from the Book Arts Press collections, it will center on the history of publishing from the point of view of ideas that didn't work. I hope you'll be back to see it, if not during Rare Book School, at least sometime during the summer. During Rare Book School, as many as three classes at once can be found on the second floor of Alderman Library using special collections materials like a house of fire. The collections of the UVA libraries in Alderman and elsewhere on the grounds of the university are a wonderful complement to the Book Arts Press's own holdings. The Rare Book School week divides into four classroom periods a day, as you know well, from Monday through Thursday, plus three classroom periods on Friday. For a total of four times four equals 16, plus three equals 19. Thank you. For a total of 19 classroom periods in all, Monday through Friday. This week, we had classes and special collections during 17 out of those possible 19 periods. By and large, the UVA libraries have the treasures and the Book Arts Press has the junk. And that's as it should be. Ours is a laboratory collection, and we want our materials used, even if using them on occasion means using them up. This being said, over the years, the Book Arts Press collections have grown and grown and grown. We lost very little from the collections in the move from New York City to Columbia. On the contrary, our friend sent us, with relatively little prompting, more than 3,000 gifts to help us celebrate our arrival at the University of Virginia. Last year, from this podium, I announced that the catalog of those gifts would be published in the fall of 1994. This year, I announced with even more confidence <laughs> that it will be published in the fall of 1995. <laughs> Towards the end of next week, the Book Arts Press will publish a little book called The Exit List, a structured list of books and articles intended for students interested in descriptive bibliography and the history of the book. You may have seen copies of the trial edition of this publication in the general vicinity of the Book Arts Press collection of bibliographical reference books presently marching down the long shelf over there at the far end of this room. Another immediately forthcoming publication, which indeed would have been published two weeks ago if I had not had the thought of giving it to one of my staff members to try, uh, which sent us right back to the drawing boards to get it right, Another immediately forthcoming publication is our edition of a book called Geistliches Trostbuchel, a facsimile of a little 1756 duodecimo book, which will be selling in flat sheets together with assembly instructions. Accurate assembly instructions. The facsimile sheets were printed for us, complete with facsimile chain lines and end wire lines and with facsimile watermarks and countermarks by Samuel F. Bill Royal proprietor of the Williamsburg Press, one always needs to say that is a real printing establishment in Williamsburg that has nothing to do with the toy printing that goes on down the street at Colonial Williamsburg, by Bill Royal of the Williamsburg Press, who was in residence last week taking Michael Twyman's, uh, Michael Twyman's lithography course, and he'll be back in residence again next week taking Miriam Foote's binding course. By now you will have gathered that the Book Arts Press and Rare Book School have many friends. The Book Arts Press also has many friends, that is to say, members of the Book Arts Press support group, the friends of the Book Arts Press. As of the end of June, there were 559 friends of the Book Arts Press, the largest number ever, and up more than 40 from this time last year. And there have been uh, 
a number of increases since then, that is to say, since the end of June. In the year ending July 1, 1995, the Friends contributed just over $20,000 in cash to the Book Arts Press. That, of course, excludes Mr. Dugan's gift, which was for $20,000. Over the 18 years since their establishment in 1976, the Friends have contributed well over $100,000 to our operations. By regular library friends groups, that is not an enormous amount. But you must remember that the Book Arts Press started existence 20 years ago as an adjunct to a single course. We're a very small operation by comparison with most libraries, having a staff of two. The generosity of the Friends has a direct impact on Rare Book School. Without the Friends of the Book Arts Press, Rare Book School could not exist. It is as simple as that. The cash donations to the Friends of the Book Arts Press only begin to describe the extent of the group's generosity to these endeavors. In 94-95, the Friends gave $20,000 in cash, but they gave several times that value in gifts in kind, a practice they have continued for many years. In this connection, I wish to mention in particular Dr. Kenneth Rappaport of Middleton, New York, whose gifts of books spectacularly useful for Book Arts Press purposes never cease and also Gabriel Austin of New York City, who recently gave us a considerable portion of the 1498 Aldean Aristophanes, which we keep in a Morocco telescoping book box originally made for Louis XVIII's copy of the same 1498 book, but rejected by a later collector because of the difficulty in getting the sliding box on and off the book. The later collector gave us the box but his generosity did not extend to giving us its contents. <laughs> it doesn't matter, however, since we now have our own. The second incunable, or a substantial part of one at least, to come to the Book Arts Press collections. Herman Cohen of the Chiswick Press gave us our first incunable many years ago because he said every collection should have at least one. For more than a decade, I have spent several thousand dollars a year buying books no incunables, and parts of books, some incunables, for the Book Arts Press collections. But contributions of gifts in kind from the Book Arts Press have made all the difference. One has only to take a quick look around in the back 40 here. There's a lot to see besides copies of Jansen's History of Art. All but two of the approximately 250 copies of Lucille currently on display in the dome room of the rotunda belong to the Book Arts Press and so do all of the several thousand other cloth and paper-bound books on the upper and lower shelves of the room, a significant part of which were donated by various friends, including many persons in the room tonight. We have many reasons to be grateful to them. To mark Robert Dugan's $20,000 gift to the Book Arts Press last year and that of another very, de and that of another very generous donor, also in the room tonight, we established a new class of membership in this organization, in addition to just plain friends who give $30 a year and close friends who give $85 a year. We now have a third category, best friends of the Book Arts Press, those who give $250 or more to the press in a single year. There are at present 13 best friends of the Book Arts Press and 141 close friends, or more than 25% of the total of 559 friends. One of the unusual features of the organization is the egalitarian nature of its giving patterns. Excluding Mr. Dugan's gift, but no other, 
More than two-thirds of our total income from the Friends comes from contributions of $85 or less. This is very much a group of equals of persons mostly in the middle way of life, both chronologically and fiscally, who contribute to the Friends in order to help support something that has relevance to their own career or personal goals and objectives. Perhaps more than ever now, with the suspension of the Summer Rare Books Institute held this year, held until this year at Indiana University at Bloomington. At the beginning of July, 119 Rare Book School 1995 participants, 35% of the total number, were friends of the Book Arts Press, which means, of course, that 221 persons, 65%, are not as yet friends of the Book Arts Press. As it happens, there are sound reasons for those who plan to attend future rare book schools to become members of the Friends of the Book Arts Press now or soon. <laughs> the majority of rare book school 1995 courses were oversubscribed with more qualified applicants, many more in a number of cases, than there were spaces available. All things being equal, we prefer applications from Friends of the Book Arts Press to those of non-Friends a matter of increasing relevance since the number of waitlisted students has risen almost every year in recent Rare Book School history. This year's Rare Book School evaluations contain an extra question asking you to evaluate the Rare Book School evening lectures you attended. One Rare Book School regular refers to the lecture you are hearing tonight as the I am great speech. Another of the students in residence at Rare Book School last week had an interesting comment to make on this lecture, or last week's variant of it. He or she said, TB's statistics cum sales, pitch, cum sales pitch is getting to be a bore. Making a donation to the Book Arts Press tantamount to admission to courses is a big mistake. It provides a cause that enemies can exploit by which they could wreck Rare Book School. It establishes a precondition that is academically corrupt and one that is certainly unacceptable at a state-supported institution. It imposes an unworthy motivation on what otherwise would be a charitable free will giving. I am not sure that I entirely understand this criticism. The chief duty of a bureaucracy is to survive. Rare Book School, no less than any other. The majority of our courses are intended for those who have no previous background in the subjects they cover. We admit anyone to these courses who is willing to string a few coherent sentences together explaining why the course will be useful or relevant or enjoyable if there is room for them. But there usually isn't room. The photo gallery of this year's Rare Book School participants stacked to the bulletin boards, hanging on the walls in the Book Arts Press classroom and in the hallway outside it in Alderman Library demonstrates this point quite clearly. And as I said earlier, there will be more students here next week than this, and more still in week five. There isn't room in all of our courses to accept all of the fully, quite, all of the fully qualified applicants for admission into them. This being the case where there's a squeeze we prefer our friends. Is this unreasonable? Let me know what you think about this policy on this year's evaluations, which we'll be uh, working on tomorrow, if you think of it and have the time. Please, however, do not tell me that Rare Book School should simply expand in size in order to accommodate the additional applicants. Rare Book School has grown about as far as it can go without complete administrative rethinking and overhaul of a kind that I am not even willing to contemplate at least for the time being. I know too little about anything except the Albigensian heresy as it is. 
as it happens, Rare Book School 1996 will be somewhat smaller than Rare Book School 1995. It will run for four weeks from Monday the 15th of July through Friday the 8th of August, 1996. Four weeks rather than our usual five because the 1996 annual conference of the American Library Association will be very late next year, taking place in New York City, a last minute change, between Friday, July 5th and Wednesday, July 10th. The Rare Books and Manuscripts pre-conference will be at Cornell University running between Tuesday the 2nd of July and Friday the 5th of July. These are conferences that I must attend and are, as I said earlier, not yet knowing how to be in three places at once. The result is that Rare Book School must start a week later than usual well, I must finish at the same time since we, use, since we lose the use of Rare Book School's dormitories in the middle of August so that they can be refurbished for the annual fall campaign. We expect to resume our usual five-week schedule, if the American Library Association lets us, in 1997. Tuition and housing rates in Rare Book School 1996 will be comparable to those in 95. Most of the usual old, old reliables may be expected to appear among the course offerings. In my State of the Bibliographical Nation address last year, I mentioned that one of the Book Arts Press's next ventures would be Rare Book School Masterclasses. Imagine, I said, a worthy bibliographical subject, then imagine the best possible instructor for conducting a course on that subject to a small group of advanced students then imagine the best possible location for the course. I am pleased to report that the first Rare Book School master class took place in May 1995 at the Pierpont Morgan Library in New York City. The instructor was Paul Needham, Senior Vice President and Director of the Department of Books and Manuscripts at Sotheby's, and the course he taught to seven invited students concerned aspects of 15th century book production. All but one of the students in the master class had previously attended Paul Needham's regular Rare Book School class in the 15th century book. The exception, Eric Holzenberg, who will be in residence next week to teach the cataloging class, was there at the request of the instructor. I went up to New York City for a day to pay my respects to this course, which was coordinated for Rare Book School by Catherine Reagan, reference library a reference librarian at the Morgan Library and very kindly lent to us by Inga DuPont, head of reader services at the Morgan Library and in residence this week for the occasion. There in the North Library of the Morgan were Needham's seven students seated around a large round table with Needham on one side of the table, George Fletcher, Astor curator of printed books, on the other side of the table, and on a stand in the middle of the table, a copy of the Gutenberg Bible which everybody could touch. While I was visiting the master class, the door of the classroom opened, and there was the Morgan's director, Charles Peirce, conducting a visitor on a tour of the library. The visitor was the present Duke of Devonshire. And I have been amusing myself ever since by imagining what Mr. Peirce said to his distinguished visitor as they wandered by the classroom. Oh, it's just some students looking at old books. The next Rare Book School Master Class will be held sometime this winter when Albert Derulet will be teaching a course on aspects of codicology within the Department of Special Collections at Princeton. 
expect a regular and I hope expanding program of master classes in the future. There has been some fear, and you must pardon if I speak extempore at this point because the computer ate my speech at this point. There has been some fear that rare book school master classes will dominate rare book school. There were seven students in our annual master class. There are 340 students in rare book school proper. And since one is a precondition under normal circumstances for entry into the other, I think that uh, no great alarm need be felt. One must remember that there are now dozens of rare book school students who have attended five or more courses in rare book school. And it seems incumbent on us to provide continuing education for them as well as for those who come to rare book school for the first or second time. There are some people who have taken nine or more rare book school courses, including one person in the master class taught at the Morgan this spring. A somewhat longer rare book school a somewhat longer ranging rare book school scheme encourages the development of Charlottesville as a bibliographical community. The climate here is salubrious for many months of the year. The quality of life is excellent, and if we do, if we do say so, bibliographically the town gets more interesting all the time, and not just because of the Book Arts Press and its cottage industries. Earlier, I mentioned the president of the Associates of the University of Virginia Library, Calvin Otto, he is not only the president of the associates, he is also the chairman of the organizing committee for the Virginia Festival of the Book, an annual event that had its staggeringly successful debut here in Charlottesville at the end of March, three months ago. Next year's Virginia Festival of the Book will include the first annual Charlottesville Antiquarian Book Fair. The dates of the fair are Friday and Saturday, March 29th and 30th, 1996. Stay tuned. Charlottesville, only the ninth or tenth largest city in Charlottesville, only the ninth or tenth largest city in Virginia, already has the largest number of used and antiquarian book selling establishments in the state, and that number continues to increase. We welcome Scott Fennessy and his Blue Whale Bookshop to the list of dealers contained in the little pamphlet Antiquarian Book Hunting in Charlottesville. We mourn the death late last summer of the wonderful Franken Gillum proprietor of Franklin Gillum Rare Books, but are happy to report that his business prospers under the direction of his widow, Mary Cooper Gillum. It's a matter of pleasure and pride to me that Martin Antonetti and Daniel Traster in residence this week, David Ferris concerned with the Rare Book School management John Bidwell, David Warrington, and many other Rare Book School staff members and faculty members are graduates of the Rare Book program of the Columbia University School of Library Service and my former students. I hope it's fair to say that in many ways Rare Book School really is a school and not just a collection of courses tied together by a common brochure and two coffee breaks. Twelve years ago, Rare Book School opened for business at Columbia University with 17 faculty members teaching eight five-day courses over a four-week period, two courses per week. At that time, we had only two air-conditioned classrooms available to us. Fifteen of the 17 original faculty members are alive today, and nine of them are still teaching in Rare Book School, most of them this year. 
with such as they who could not be enthusiastic about Rare Book School and its future. Thank you.